How are you? Hey, I am doing great. Yesterday was uh, Sunday, which is my Sabbath day, and the rest of the family was otherwise engaged. So my son and I went down to a local river, and we kayaked from one point in the river to another point in the river, and we were on the river for like three or four hours. And it was so much fun. There were so many downed trees in the river that we were like snaking our way through downed branches. And we just had a great time and got to have really good conversation. So it was just a great Sabbath day. Church was great. And now I'm like ready to talk to you. That's awesome. Good dad time is the best, isn't it? Oh my gosh. Yes. And this was my 19-year-old son and who's like just getting into adulthood. And so he's often busy at work and I'm often busy at work. So for us to have just concentrated time together is rare and very enjoyable. So I see your 19-year-old son more than anybody else in your family because he is the first person to respond on Be Real almost every time. (laughs) Yes. Uh, I, I don't know what that means, but I get lots of pictures of that particular son of yours Whenever I am doing Be Real, and I love it, I get to see what's going on in his life. It's very fun. Yes. Yes, that is very true. Very true. But how about you? Uh, how are you doing? You know, I actually had a great dad weekend this weekend, too. On Saturday, I got to take my daughter out, and we tooled around a whole bunch of stores. We were in Hobby Lobby and Mardell and Barnes & Noble and Office Max and just looking at various things. And it was just wonderful to have enough time to not have to rush. And it was wonderful. And then this morning, I got to introduce my son to racquetball. And we started playing racquetball and think we're going to start doing that every week. And I am super excited. I really enjoy finding something to do that I get to do with my kids. That makes my day. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm interested. I've never played racquetball, but nor have I played pickleball. And around here, I don't know if it's true in Missouri, but around here, pickleball is like what everybody's talking about. Have you played pickleball? I have not, though both my kids have in gym in school. It is absolutely taking over the entire world. And I actually asked him if he wanted to do pickleball instead. And he was like, nope, I'm all set. Huh. He was very intrigued by the fact that racquetball guaranteed you got to be alone in a room together. That was good for him. He, like me, does not enjoy having an audience. And so racquetball, nobody (laughs) else is allowed in the room. So wait a minute. You don't like having an audience, but yet you're a co-host on a podcast. On a podcast. I realized how that sounded as soon as I said it. (laughs) <laughs> but it is absolutely true. I I don't mind having conversation partners, but I am I am not the most manly man in the world. And so particularly athletic things, I can be very insecure around doing them. And therefore, I really like getting to do athletic things where nobody's watching me. Because it helps Mm. me not have to deal with that particular issue while trying to exercise. Or in this case, connect with your son. Or in this case, connect with my son. Yeah. So we could just whack the ball all over the room. We're both fairly new at racquetball. I played 
maybe 10 times 15 years ago. And so his suggestion as we got into it was, why don't we just say it's okay for the ball to bounce twice? And <laughs> that actually made the entire game far more manageable. And, mm. uh, you know, I, I thought back to, did you ever read Angela Duckworth's Grit? No. So there's all sorts of good stuff in there. But one of the things she said from her research was that the first stage in becoming excellent at something is not practice. The first stage in becoming excellent at something is enjoying it. And then you find the motivation to practice, and then you can become excellent. But people often skip the first stage of actually getting to enjoy the thing, and that makes the practice awful. And oh so today gosh. was all about enjoying it. Like, isn't that a brilliant observation? It really is. And I tell you what, you could not have teed up today's conversation any better. So I called today because I want to talk more about Lectio Divina. And this is something that I mentioned a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. My spiritual director had led me through a Lectio Divina of Psalm 23. And at first I was like, oh, really? Psalm 23? But God used that as an opportunity for me to hear from him in a really cool way. And that is kind of that. Well, that really is the motivation for Lectio Divina. And so I would love to take a psalm for next week's reading, Psalm 111, and I would love for us to do a Lectio Divina on that psalm for nothing else other than to just delight and enjoy God's Word. And if that's mm. a first step or the 50th step in our spiritual journey, it doesn't matter. I just want to enjoy it. Yeah, I love this. The thing that I love about this the most, a lot of times we get to talk about doing spiritual activities. And in this moment, we get to do a spiritual activity together and invite everybody who's listening with us, whether you are kayaking on a lake or driving a car or whatever you're doing, you can do this spiritual activity with us. And we would love to hear from you after you do it what it is that God was saying to you as well, because Lectio Divina is at its heart, a very corporate experience. And I think that's fascinating. Mm. Yeah, my experience recently with Lectio Divina was quote unquote corporate. It was just me and my spiritual director, but at least it wasn't private. And that corporateness element just adds something new and something rich. And so, yes, I would love to do this with the audience that you despise. <laughs> I do not despise the audience, but I'm hoping I can lean on your seminary education here because before we dive into something like this, we should talk about the background. And there is a sort of formal background to what Lectio Divina really is. And I know it's a bunch of Latin words. And I know the first one is Lectio because it's in the title. And I know the last one is Contemplatio or something like that but I've lost the ones in the middle. I wondered if you could sketch out kind of the formal understanding of Lectio Divina before we dive into it. Yeah. Well, I, I first want to say that you have a seminary education just as much as I have a seminary education. Yeah, and Mine is just 20 years old, and so I don't always remember stuff. Well, and neither do I, even though it's very, very, very fresh for me. Um, you know, a good friend of mine always tells me that 
Seminary doesn't teach you all the answers. It teaches you where to find the answers. It's true. And that is honestly true. And so I actually am pulling this straight from Adele Calhoun's book on spiritual disciplines. If you don't have this book, I highly recommend it. It's such mm-hmm. an easy reference book for a whole host of spiritual disciplines, a whole host of ways to engage with God. And each one has like two or three pages just explaining what it is, how to do it, and why you might want to consider it. And it's super, super easy, well laid out, and she just writes so beautifully anyway. So I'm pulling this straight from Adele Calhoun. And the five historical movements or steps in Lectio Divina, and I'm sorry to burst your bubble, Josh from Missouri, Lectio is not the first one. The first one is Silencio, obviously silence. And this is where we actually get prepared to do Lectio. And it's an important first step. So silencio, quieting in preparation, then lectio, which lectio just means reading. By the way, lectio divina, divine reading or sacred reading. Which, let's pause there for a second. I have heard this word said two different ways, lectio and lexio. And the most trustworthy sources I know say that either one is fine. Do you have any knowledge of the correct pronunciation I don't. I took like a half a semester of Latin in high school, and that's the extent of my Latin knowledge. So, no, I have no idea. All right. So we're going to call it Lexi. (laughs) Yeah, something like that. Uh, So Silencio, then Lectio. So we're just reading uh, at that point and just kind of listening, paying attention to the text. Then Meditatio, we're meditating on what stuck out to us and just kind of what God might be saying. And then oratio, which is speaking back to God or responding to God. And that's that third reading that you go through. And it's it's more of a conversation, if you will. And then that final is contemplatio, where you do, you just sit and wait in silence. And so there is a lot of silence. There's silence between each step. There's a silence at the beginning and at the end. And if I know anything about our culture, we don't do silence very well. We do not. That's so true. And yet, I think silence is wildly important if we are going to seek to hear from God and seek to give God the space to work in our own hearts and minds. I don't know about you, but even that first step of silencio I never have nothing going on in my mind. Mm -hmm. I always think about the fact that you told me a story about your college roommate who may or may not listen to this, but he would just be sitting in your dorm room and you'd say to him, hey, what what are you doing? What are you thinking about? And he'd be like, nothing. And it was true. (laughs) That... That is not an experience I have. My brain doesn't work that way. I have to work to get to that space. And that first step of silence, my likelihood of having a genuine experience of God is significantly increased when I start with silence, just to sort of get my brain and heart in the right space. Oh, yeah. 100%. It's funny, I don't even remember telling you that story about my college roommate, 
But I will tell you, you know, he and I are good friends to this day, and this is not um, an absence of intellect or uh, the fact that he doesn't think about oh. anything. This is he's, he's like one of the smartest people I know. Absolutely, like he's a very smart man, and so. Yeah, that's one of the things that always struck me about it. But anyway, sorry for interrupting. No, you're good. There is a calmness and a stillness about him. He can be still and silent and inactive very, very peacefully. And it is a little startling, honestly. I mean, when we as a family go and spend time with them, they live up in the Seattle area now. When we as a family go and spend time with them, there is a sense of stillness and quiet that we experience around them that is uh, jarring at first, but so, so good. So yeah, you're right. He, he just has that about him. And that's, that's mm-hmm. honestly what we're, we're, trying to, we're trying to achieve as we silence ourselves at the beginning of Lectio. That's good. But so I will say, as we do this, for our listeners, I think two things. One, we're going to rely on poor Bishop Hooper once again. If you don't know who poor Bishop Hooper is, this is your first time hearing us talk about them. Go back and listen to, I believe it's episode 50, where we actually interview poor Bishop Hooper. Fantastic conversation, fantastic godly people doing wonderful things for the kingdom. But we're going to rely on them. They wrote, they recorded every single psalm. And some of them, they've even recorded just the instrumental version. And so we're going to use Psalm 111 in our Lectio today. And in the background, even during our moments of silence, is going to be poor Bishop Hooper's Psalm 111, the instrumental version. And so that will continually play throughout. So we're not going to leave you in complete silence. And then the other thing is, if you're not in a space right now, maybe you're stuck in traffic and you really want to say or do things to the driver in front of you, and this is not a great time to connect with God, just pause this recording, come back to it another time. I'm going to leave a chapter marker in the actual podcast itself, so you can come right back to where we begin with Lectio, and you can do this in a time and a space that is more convenient for you. Yeah, and wherever you are, don't feel like it has to be the perfect space. I use an app to lead me through Lectio Divina all the time. It's called Hello, and I often use it when I'm driving or when I'm just sitting somewhere or whatever, uh, when I'm kind of half doing something, like I'm doing the dishes or whatever. And I really enjoy being brought into the presence of God in the midst of whatever activity. And that's okay. But we would ask if you're driving, please don't close your eyes. Uh, <laughs> that would be unhelpful. Right. So how about this? Josh from Missouri, I think you have actually had an opportunity to lead somebody in Electio Divina before. I have not. So I'm going to rely on your experience. If you wouldn't mind guiding us through the Electio and I wouldn't mind doing the reading. And for our listeners out there, by the way, I will be reading it three different times as we record this, but I'm going to take the best reading and I'm going to put it in all three places. So the intonation, the inflection, all of it's going to be the exact same every time you hear it. And so you can just focus in on what is God saying to you as you listen to this. But Josh, uh, would you mind setting us up, telling us how you're going to guide us through this? And then let's dive in. Yeah, man, I'd be honored. What I'll do is I'll take a couple moments and just invite us to be still and quiet 
to set aside any thoughts that we have in order to allow ourselves to enter the presence of God. And then I will cue you to go ahead and read the first time. And as we are reading that first time, what I'd encourage each of us that are going to be doing this exercise together to do is simply to try to hold the whole text in your mind. Just ask yourself, what is the Bible saying here? And you'll have probably about three minutes to sort of just take a few minutes to wrap your mind around what is the Bible saying. And then Josh from Oregon will read it again. And this second time around, I'll invite you to just See if there's a particular word or phrase or idea that sticks out to you from it. And just to spend a few minutes focusing on one idea from the text. And after we've had some time to sit with that, Josh Morgan will read it one final time. And after this, we'll invite you to simply have a conversation with God about what it is you feel like he might have been saying to you. And then we'll take a final minute or so, simply practice the art of sitting in God's presence, enjoying the fact that he loves us, and being still before him without doing anything. And then we'll be done and get to discuss our experience and what we felt like God was saying and all those kinds of things. How does that sound? That sounds awesome. Yeah, I'm ready to dive in. That sounds great. All right. Well, then I would encourage you, Josh, myself, everybody who's going to do this, first of all, to just make sure that your posture, wherever you're sitting or standing or walking, is as comfortable as possible. If you're sitting, plant both feet comfortably on the ground. Make sure that you're situated in the chair in a way that balances out your weight. Take a moment to relax and set your attention on God, whatever that means for you. But just bring your focus to the fact that wherever you are, God is there as well. And now as Josh from Oregon begins to read. Just listen to what the psalm is saying. And when he's done, we'll take a couple of minutes to just try to wrap our minds around everything that this particular psalm has to say. So Josh, go ahead and read it for us. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright, in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works, in giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever, to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. 
He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. So now, like I said, just take a minute and reflect on what you heard and just try to hold the whole chapter in your mind. What was it saying? What was it talking about? What was the main idea? At any point when your attention begins to wander, just bring it back to the psalm. What was the big idea? What do you remember of what it was saying? Now, in just a moment, Josh is going to read it again. And this time, as he reads it, just pay attention to any particular word or phrase or idea that sticks out to you. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart, in the company of the upright, in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever, to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. 
The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Now just set your attention on that one word or phrase or idea. It doesn't have to be that something magical happened. It might be a word or phrase you pick. It might be something that just stuck out to you. But just bring your attention onto that one word or phrase or idea. And whenever you notice your attention wandering, go ahead and bring it back. And just keep it set on that one idea. Again, whenever you notice your attention wander, just bring it back to the phrase or the idea that you selected from the passage. And as you keep your attention on that one idea, remember that God loves to speak through his word. So what is it that he might be saying to you through this particular word or phrase? Why might he have brought it to your attention in this particular moment in your life? And again, whenever your mind wanders, just bring it back to that one word or phrase, staying intentionally in a receptive posture. You're not responding, you're simply allowing God to speak through his word. 
And in that intentionally receptive posture, we're going to listen one more time as Josh reads the text. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart, in the company of the upright, in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Now begin to respond. From your whole heart, what is it that you would like to say back to God in response to what he has said to you? just as before, whenever you notice your attention start to wander, bring it back to what that word or phrase was, and then begin to continue the conversation that you're having with God about that word or phrase. And finally, as we begin to wrap up our time together in this exercise, allow the conversation to fade and simply sit mindful of the fact that you are in the presence of a God who loves you deeply and who is with you. And allow yourself the space to simply enjoy being right there.
And just like always, when your attention wanders, bring it back to the fact that God is present with you, and so you are choosing to be present with him. And God, we simply offer this time to you. What we want is to grow closer to you, to stay more connected with you. And so we pray that this wouldn't be an isolated moment in our lives, but that you would awaken in us a continual desire to spend more time with you because you are wonderful and your presence is truly marvelous and our delight. So it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Mm. Thank you so much for guiding us through that. I not only benefited from this psalm and the process of doing a lectio, 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 uh, but actually, I actually, 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 actually. Yeah. Uh, but I, I personally benefited from the way you guided me, us, through that. So thank you. You're very welcome. I'm, I'm curious to hear what struck you either about the process or about the psalm. Yeah. And actually, let me pause to just invite the audience into this conversation. We really want to hear from you. What word or phrase stuck out? What did God communicate with you? Join us on social media to share that, on Facebook, Instagram, on threads. We want to hear from you. We want to know how this experience was. But we will also be diving in right now to, to share our own experience. And Josh from Missouri, I know we tend to do like a thoughts segment. Uh, what do you think of making this our thoughts segment and uh, just sharing a little bit more about what we experienced? Yeah, I would love that. I think that fits really well and, and is perfect for what we've been doing today. So why don't you jump in and uh, share a little bit of your thoughts as you went through that? I'd love to hear. Yeah, well, I got to tell you, the process of doing electio versus leading electio is very different. So I'm curious what it was like for you. But even for me trying to read this on the podcast, I'm like, oh, where do I hold my Bible that I can see it past my microphone, but still talk into the microphone? And oh, no, now the words are a little blurry. Or now I have tears in my eyes from the last session. And so now like I can't even see the words on the page. So that was interesting to just experience that. So it was a little distracting for me at first. And so I found myself pausing going, wait, what did I just read? And what is sticking out to me? So I got little pieces of it as we went along, but really ultimately what stood out to me was the phrase, great are the works of the Lord, but then the phrase studied by all who delight in them. That's really what stood out to me. And it's this studied by all who, and I didn't know how it ended the first few times. I was like studied by all who what, but I was 
thinking about, oh, the, the, the studying of God's acts, that is a different thing than just, quote unquote, studying the Bible, right? Mm. Sometimes people just study the Bible. I have just studied the Bible, and there's nothing wrong with that. But studying God's acts, how he has shown up in the world, that is very different. I'm reading a fiction book right now that I'm sure many of our audience have read that my wife insisted that I read, Where the Crawdads Sing. Have you read this? Ooh, I have not. Wow, so compelling. I'm only halfway through it. But there's a scene in there, this main character lives in the marsh, and she doesn't go to school. She doesn't really have much human interaction. She spends almost all of her time out in nature, immersed in it, studying it. And so she notices even down to like the fireflies and how they flash their signal indicates their species so that they can mate with the other males of their own species. And so there, but there are different types of fireflies. And so they all have different signals. And so she is noticing the signals of each and every type of firefly and how long they flash their signals and how it works. That is a level of intricacy and attention and dedication that she has shown to understanding the marsh. And I feel like God was inviting me into that same sort of study of his works, how he has shown up in the world, simply for the joy of it. And I love how this ends, studied by all those who delight in them. And delight was the focus of our sermon this last week. I felt like God has called me into this garden space right now of just resting and and enjoying him and delighting in him. And so delight is very much a part of where my brain is. And the fact that study and delight could go hand in hand so seamlessly and joyfully was really profound. Mm, That's wonderful. Yeah. How how about you? How what was the experience like of leading this, by the way? It is always interesting to have to lead something like this. Like you said, it's very distracting in the sense of, you know, I'm sitting here with a timer and trying to weigh out how often to speak and how long to give people between speaking moments. Because as I said to you before we started recording, the more I can focus on the mechanics of the moment, hopefully the more we can let everybody else focus on the experience of the moment. And so I'm splitting my brain in between the mechanics and the experience, which is somewhat contra the heart and soul of what Lectio Divina is about. And so I will really look forward to listening to this episode and participating in it as a listener. And Mm. I fully plan to do so. But what's interesting is that almost the exact same passage jumped out to me. I was deeply struck by the closeness of the two words studied and splendor. Very often, the stereotype of study in our world and in our culture, is that study is a rote and boring thing that sort of sucks the life out of something. 
hence the reason seminary is jokingly referred to as cemetery and all sorts of other things. Right. And this text is an invitation to experience a level of wonder at the splendor of God and his works that is only available to those who choose to study. And Mm. I think that's stunning. It makes me want to be among those who devote themselves to study. You know, I can say this without any level of embarrassment or shame, but you know Greek and Hebrew and I do not. Hmm. That doesn't make you a better person than me. It doesn't make you a better Christian than me. But it does open you up to a level of the wonder and beauty of what God is revealing in Scripture that I do not have access to. Hmm. And that, like I said, that doesn't make you better, but it does mean that there is a whole world available to you that's not available to me. And I think that is true of study in every way in which we study Scripture or God's works. The more we devote ourselves to it, the more we open ourselves to a world that is only available to those who devote themselves to study. Yeah, just like the protagonist in the book that I'm reading gets far more out of her experience in the marsh than any visitor ever could. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I heard somebody once say that an expert can tell everybody else how they're wrong about something. A connoisseur invites everybody else to enjoy a thing as much as he does. Mm. I don't know if that's technically true about those words, but I was reminded of it as I was thinking about this word study. And I want to be a connoisseur of God. Yeah, that's really good. I also don't know about the definition, but surely uh, the analogy holds a good starting point. There's a good point being made, even if we're butchering the English language to make it. (laughs) Yes, yes, exactly. Well, I don't want to butcher our conversation, but we do need to dive into the Witch Josh question, but it is related. And so today's Witch Josh question, which Josh has hung a piece of artwork on his wall to remind him of the power of Lectio Divina? And that would be me. I recently moved into a new office where I'm going to be doing a lot of coaching with folks. And I had prints of Joshua 1.9 and Proverbs 3.5. And my wife and I spent hours creating a third print that matched those two that summarized Lectio Divina in a way that makes sense to me, which is the three basic directions of Lectio Divina, which are think about, talk to, and be with. And so I put that on on a third print and put it right in the middle. And there it is hanging on my wall. I'm looking at it as we speak. How cool is that? It is super fun. I love looking at it. Mm. Well, you'll have to post the picture for all of our listeners so that uh, we can see what that looks like. Oh, will do. Okay. Nice. All right. Well, are we on for another conversation again next week? Absolutely. I can't wait. All right. Talk to you then. All right. Bye. Bye.
again.